Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The wait is finally over and the NBA is back. Football is in full swing with the playoffs. And Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, guys? It's Wild Card Week, and our beloved Chicago Bears are participating. How about that? And, um, you know, I know that the the review shows were, were met with a lot of pessimism, uh, mostly because of the way we let the Green Bay game get away from us. Um, you know, the, 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 the sour taste of backing in uh, to the playoffs rather than winning and earning our way, getting an above 500 record to, to take into the playoffs with us. But unfortunately, that did not happen. We, we bowed down to the uh, master of the NFC North. That is the Green Bay Packers. We did it at home. Eh, we'll deal with that if, you know, actually, we'll deal with them again if we can pull this game off on Sunday. We'll be headed to Lambeau uh, next week uh, to take on the Packers in the divisional round. Uh, if we get this win and um, you know uh, the silver lining of being the seventh seed is that we get to play the Saints the uh, the the team one of the teams uh, out of that six game losing streak I I honestly feel there are only two games that we should have won because we got housed by the Rams we got beat up um, by the uh, by the Titans we got beat up by the um, Vikings I mean, that's probably a game we should have won. We just we just certainly didn't play like it, so I'm not even going to try to pretend. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, we should have beaten Minnesota the first time around, but with the way that we played, they absolutely deserve to win. And obviously we didn't deserve to win the first Green Bay game, but we should have beaten the, the Saints and we should have beaten the Lions. That would make us a 10-6 and six team as opposed to an 8-8 eight and eight team and uh, probably make us like a five seed or something like that instead of, uh, the seven, but you know, it was one of those games that got away from us. We should have had it. There were a few moments that we could have prevented, uh, the outcome and the other silver lining in playing the saints is that we get to have our good friend Ross Jackson from locked on saints on the show, uh, once again, to help us preview this matchup between the bears and the saints on wildcard weekend that, uh, hilariously enough, 
will be the one game that gets simulcast on Nickelodeon. So we'll be, we'll, uh, you know, if, if the game gets a little too ugly, you can switch over to Nickelodeon, uh, you know, and, and watch, uh, watch, uh, you know, Drew Brees walk around in flames when he completes his 15th pass in a row or something like that. Or hell, God forbid you get to see David Montgomery on flames when he scores his third touchdown uh, of the football game, just to be get just to, you know, keep it fair as, uh, you know, as that goes or, or watch the, uh, the, the streaks behind, uh, Khalil Mack as he comes off the edge for a sack how's that sound but um you know nonetheless it it should be an interesting game on Sunday Uh, I'm very interested to see how it's going to play out these teams are not the same teams that met each other in in week number eight and um there's a lot of differences here the the Saints for the most part will be at full strength uh on the offensive side Alvin Kamara will be clear of COVID protocols in time for the game on Sunday they're saying Michael Thomas is going uh, to be back. He's missed a lot of the season uh, with an ankle injury. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders didn't play in the game uh, the first time around. Um, so they'll, they'll have their top targets uh, available on offense. And the defense is playing a lot better than it was the last time we saw them. But also, we're bringing something different to the table. Uh, David Montgomery did gash them for a big run, but did a little else in the run game outside of that. We all know what, how he's been contributing lately. Uh, the offensive line that really began its struggles against the Saints has been more solidified with the same five guys playing on the offensive line for the last six, seven weeks now. And, um, you know, unfortunately, our defense is a lot different than it was the last time uh, that we saw them. Who is going to be playing on that unit is uh, still a matter of uh, it's still a matter that's up in the air. Will Roquan Smith be healthy enough to play? Will Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen uh, be well enough to play? Or will we be going to war with Kendall Vildor and um, Duke Shelley uh, as our corners uh, again? And will Josh Woods be in there for Roquan, so on uh, and so forth? So uh, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of interesting questions to look into. And uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation because I know I did. Uh, it's myself. It's Ross Jackson. It's the Wild Card Weekend. It's the Wild Card Preview episode of the Bear Stock Underground. So let's get to it. Well, how about it, kiddies? We're going to the playoffs. So we're in the playoffs. We're not going. We're there. And on Sunday, we travel down to the Superdome in New Orleans to take on the Saints in the Wild Card round, which of course means. Our good friend from Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson, back on the show to help us preview this matchup between our two teams. Ross, welcome back, man. Hey, man. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks as much for having me back, dude. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Ross. Actually, I think you do know this. I thought I, I think I saw you tweet about this, but uh, the Bears game is not only going to be on CBS, which is odd because it's an all-NFC matchup. Right. Uh, it's also going to be on Amazon. And yes. it's going to be on Nickelodeon. That's so. exactly right. I'm so excited, <laughs> dude. I'm so glad it's going to be on Nickelodeon. I'm I, uh, 100% watching it on Nick. There's no oh, way. Oh, dude. I, I'm <laughs> at the very least, at the very least, I'm watching it on CBS and I'm DVRing the Nickelodeon feed. There you go. <laughs> I just have to see what it's going to look like if, you know, somebody sacks uh, Trubisky or breeze will that guy get slimed or <laughs> will he burst into stars or something like that because those commercials leading up to that looked insane dude it's like this is yeah. 
this is crazy. The 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 end zone's going to flash colors and turn into something and all right. the rest of that stuff. So this is something that I definitely got to uh, check out. I mean, I was going to check it out anyway, but it's my it's my Bears, your Saints. So I'm definitely checking this one out. Yeah, 100 percent. No, I'm so excited about it. I was so stoked when I saw that they were going to put it on uh, where it was going to be the Nickelodeon game. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to laugh when the Nickelodeon game actually has like more detail in it. And it's telling you like personnel <laughs> packages and like next gen stats and everything. Right. It's actually gonna be more advanced than the CVS edition. Yeah. <laughs> All the six year olds watching on Nickelodeon are going to be far more educated than anyone watching right. on CBS. Be like, you know, the the Saints were in eleven personnel, seventy two percent of this game, and they're like six years old. It's gonna be great. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so but what a crazy time we've had in the last what, eight weeks since we've since we had a chance to talk. I think it was week eight or week nine that we were playing mm-hmm. uh each other uh this year. And uh the Bears were on a one game losing streak uh going into the uh into the Saints game uh in Chicago. And this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about that game because on one hand, you, 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 the, the Saints were the favorite team. They did win. A lot of people expected them to. But watching that game, the Bears had opportunities, especially in overtime, to win that game, and they let it slip through their fingers, which I guess is why we're an 8-8 eight and eight team, and the Saints <laughs> took advantage of us not taking advantage of those mistakes, and you guys are the 12-4 and four squad hosting this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely been, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a very different matchup, right, between these two teams. They're completely different than they were uh, the last time that yeah. they met. Uh, this is going to be the first time in a couple of years that uh, I think it's since 2017 that ideally, you know, the Saints are going to field, you know, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas at the same time on the field up against the Bears. Like there, there have been so many different uh, sort of different courses between these two teams. And finally, the Saints are on a trajectory to actually getting healthier for a change yeah. uh, going into the playoffs here. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where this all goes and the way that these two teams match up now weeks later. Yeah, and that's what I'm worried about is that we struggled with your offense when basically Kamara and Jared Cook were your bell cows uh, Mm -hmm. in that game. But now Sanders is back. Michael Thomas is supposed to be playing. 
Uh, the game is on Sunday, therefore Kamara can play. If this mm-hmm. was a Saturday game, he wouldn't be able to. So I guess the NFL hooked you guys up on that <laughs> one. Finally, but, um, finally a nice move by the NFL for us there. <laughs> yeah, and our defense has gotten progressively worse since the bye week. Um, I can't tell you how many times in that four-game looting streak headed into the bye, I've said things like, this defense gave a victory-worthy performance, but our offense just let us down. And mm-hmm. it's been the complete opposite over the last six weeks. The defense has given up a ton of points, can't get themselves off the field. And Mitch Trubisky and this offense that's been tailored to his strengths have been producing and, you know, has barely been getting by like a 33-27 win over Minnesota. We, we, we lost to the Lions when we shouldn't have. We scored 30 points but gave up 34 uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. 41 points to Green Bay the first time, 35 this past weekend and things like that. I mean, we're just getting run over by just about anybody we put on the field these days. Yeah, it, it's tough when you have an offense that, you know, like you mentioned, one that's that's a little bit more tailored towards Mitch Trubisky's strength. And, you know, a, a big part of that is playing a little bit more condensed, playing closer to the line of scrimmage, taking deep shots when they're available, but not trying to force that, even though uh, Mitch Trubisky is one of the most aggressive uh, passers in the NFL this season. You, you look at the Saints have had similar situations to where, you know, they played with a more condensed offense that's a little bit more, you know, focused on ball control and things like that. But then if the defense can't play a complimentary brand of football along with that i.e. one that doesn't suck uh then it ends up putting the offense in a really really poor position because that game plan isn't tailored to go out there and try to light up you know 35 40 points on the board it's it's tailored to control the ball control the clock and so i I know that that was a little bit of the uh or it seemed to be a little bit of the game plan for the bears last week up against uh green bay but it's it's tough when the defense can't play a complimentary brand we've seen that in new orleans several times over the over the years as well yeah, and, and it was it was frustrating on two fronts. Number one, because the Packers are not a team that you want to settle field, for field goals against. Right. you got to sure. put the ball in the end zone. And the Bears didn't have much of a problem getting into the red zone, but they were one for five in the red zone. The Packers, on the other hand, were a perfect 100%. Uh, four trips in the, end, in the red zone, four touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, on the board. And therein lies the difference in the game because the Bears, Ross, won that game everywhere except – on the scoreboard they they had they ran 30 more plays they had 12 minutes time of possession there were two things that green bay beat us on they the red zone uh opportunities and they they forced two turnovers we had one we literally won everywhere else more passing yards more rushing yards more plays time of possessions we even for the most penalized team in the nfl won the penalty battle we only Mm -hmm. had one penalty in the whole game i think green bay had like five or six and you know, that sounds like a recipe for success, but Green Bay being Green Bay found the places where they could win the game, and that's how they ended up uh, pulling it off against us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that, that again, is, is very familiar to you know a Saints defense of the early 2020 season that yeah. you know was near the top of the NFL through most of the season when it came to yardage, but bottom of the NFL when it came to scoring specifically because up to a certain point, I think it was 21 of 23 touchdowns allowed on red zone possessions for them. Wow. So, you know, it was very similar, very similar uh, situation there. And especially if you, if you end up turning the ball over even just twice and you give that shorter field, then that factors in in terms of the the yardage uh, total 
And also, if you're allowing points off of that through red zone possessions, either immediately at the turnover or soon after the turnover, because you're giving up on the wrong side of 50 or the wrong side of 35, I would even say. Oh, both uh, of them that, were, yeah. Both of them yeah. were inside of 35. Yeah, so like so. that's a big part of it in terms of uh, you know how that you can win the yardage game, but not necessarily provide, it doesn't entirely provide the full context of how you can still lose that game in mm-hmm. terms of scoring. So that's all very familiar. Yeah, and it's 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 a recipe that I think the Bears would want to repeat against New Orleans. Keep the ball mm-hmm. out of Drew Brees' hands. Keep it away from Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and uh, and, the, and the other cache of weapons that you guys are are, are bringing to this game that you didn't uh, the first time around. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, run the run the football, own the clock, and everything else. But you know, against this team as well. After we just watched them put up 50 on the Vikings the other day uh, <laughs> this is a team that you're going to want to convert in in red zone opportunities and mm-hmm. not settle uh, for those field goals because you know we had five trips into the red zone if we convert them all it's a 35 35 score we're looking at as opposed to 35 16 because we settled for three field goals and we got turned away on one of those mm-hmm. opportunities so yeah this is definitely a strategy the Bears would want to employ against New Orleans, but as we've learned against Green Bay, there are caveats to where we can still lose this game uh, because we got to take advantage where we can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, you can look at the Saints too. I mean, the Saints defense over on that other on that same idea, right? That same uh, uh, ranking or statistic, if you will, when it comes to red zone defense, Saints allowing uh, touchdowns or scores at least on sixty eight percent of the, or it's actually touchdowns on sixty eight percent of those thirty four or fifty. Um, wow. And that's that's bottom four in in the league. So for the Saints, they want to see themselves possess the ball a little bit more in the red zone, more than it is that they want to give up red zone possessions on their own as well. So this feels like a game that ends up either, uh, e- even though it, it's going to be played heavily from one twenty to the other, it still feels like it's a game that can be won within the twenties at either end zone. Well, and that's what it proved to be against the Green Bay mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday. Um, because it just uh, that's where the game was won for Green Bay. Like yeah. I said, the, the one one of two statistics that they won the turnover battle, two for them, one for us. But they turned both of their turnovers into touchdowns. We came away with zero points. Well, actually, mm-hmm. we settled for a field goal for ours. Yeah. So we lost that fourteen to three. Right. And you know we lost the game by nineteen points. So. That would have made a whole lot of difference uh, right there. So yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, it's just um, I, I I worry about this game. Uh, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic in a way. Uh, number one, because the Saints have had a horrible luck in the playoffs lately, mm-hmm. and it seems to come up in in different rounds uh, lately. Uh, right. First, it was the it was the the divisional round against Minnesota, then the championship game against the Rams, and I know you still probably wake up screaming thinking about that one, <laughs> and then and then last year, um, you're a thirteen and three three seed hosting mm-hmm. the six seed and walk off touchdown against Minnesota. You guys, you guys are out again, and it's just it just keeps happening to the Saints. So it's like okay, maybe that trend will continue, and the Bears can sneak one in, uh, but it, it also. There's a lot of guys that are playing in this game that we didn't see the first time around, and we had enough trouble with you without those guys. I, sh- I shudder to think how this struggling defense will handle the extra firepower this time. 
Yeah, and I think for the Saints, you know, you look at all three of those playoff exits over the last three years, and the one thing that's evident in them, even even leaving alone the you know the the last second touchdowns or the the miracle hail mary situations or or what flags were thrown and what flags weren't, right? There were moments early in that game where they could have won the game, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, Dan Arnold doesn't drop a touchdown in the end zone, or you know, Drew Brees plays uh, more efficiently in the first half of the Vikings game in, in both games, actually, I would say the interior your offensive line holds up in the the wild card loss like there are things and elements from early on in the game far before any of the things that get all the headlines now that decided the game and they were on the saints right like they were they were they were places where the saints could have performed better so i do think that they're going to come into this game and do everything that they can to have that fast start that uh, they they have been a little bit more aggressive since Drew Brees came back just in terms of them attacking more areas of the field than they usually would with him early on in the season. Uh, So that's a bit of good news for the Saints in the way that they like to play because I think getting off to a fast start, developing an early lead, um, you know, jumping out quickly, I think is going to be a, a huge benefit for the Saints, and I think oh, a huge for focus sure. for the Saints because yeah. they don't want to have to look back to anything and say, "Oh, well, this one moment at the end of the game decided something that we could have uh, avoided by performing more efficiently earlier on in the game." If that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely does. And and getting off to a fast start for for you guys would be an easy way to put this thing to bed before halftime. Because the way that this defense uh, is struggling and the way that this offense is built with our short passing game, with the run focus and everything like that, we're Mm -hmm. more in the mode of like the first drive against Green Bay to start the game, 14 plays, seven and a half minutes, putting a touchdown on the board. If you guys are coming out and slinging it all over the field and having these five plays, three-minute drives that result in touchdowns, and we're going out there 14 plays and settling for a field goal, this thing's going to be over in a heartbeat. And the Bears don't have the horses to keep pace with everything that you guys can throw at us. And not to mention, you know, Sean Payton being the the, 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 the mad genius in, in, at times <laughs> with the things that he does. It, it's just it's it could be scary how this thing could get away from us if we're not careful. Yeah, I think for the Saints, one of the biggest keys going into this game for them is going to be, you know, like if they can score on their three first possessions or three of their four first possessions and two of those are touchdowns, you know, if they can pick up a 17 point, it doesn't have to be a lead, but if they can pick up 17 points and it's somewhere within the first four possessions. Uh, then I think that that puts them in a really comfortable position because they'll build a little bit of a rhythm. They'll, you know, probably get another. Uh, they always try to play for those two minute, uh, two minute possessions at the end of the first half, and mm-hmm. then try to get the ball back at the end of that. So, you know, if you can build up a little bit of of a stockpile there with some early production ahead of the two minute drill to close out the first half, and then you know you're getting the ball back in the second quarter. Or sorry, the second half where you can go two for two. Uh, I think that that would definitely be you know the the framework that they want to build for themselves in terms of a the most i don't want to say easiest but would their their most successful and efficient path to victory looks something like that any disruption to that this game could potentially be a little bit more interesting based on that alone and i agree i mean it it all comes down to who's playing whose game uh, right in this one on sunday if the bears are trying to keep up and playing from behind against the Saints, we're not built for that. We've proven that over and over again with Trubisky as quarterback. If we're looking to drop back and, you know, get chunk plays, 15 yards mm-hmm. here, 20 yards there to 
to speed up the game or to shorten the game, whatever you want to call it, to to have these quicker drives to try to keep pace. If if we become a pass-centric team where we're throwing nine times out of ten, that's not who the Bears are. I know that's mm. who Nat, Matt Nagy wants us to be. That's the <laughs> offense sure. he wants to run, and that's the offense he tried to cram down our throat for two and a half years. But, you know, he found out the hard way. That, no, this is a team that that's better with um, – the short passing game, we're better with running the football, controlling the clock, moving the sticks, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, we don't have Pat Mahomes on our team, unfortunately, and that's been something that's been beaten into our heads for the last three years. But I know. They, they won't stop no, with that at they all. They won't. Like every they never time will. that the Bears that, are on television, yeah. it's like, you, you know they could have had – it's ridiculous. Yeah, every single time, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't even tell you that they, they would have uh, – if it was a drinking game for the Trubisky-Watson uh, game a few weeks ago – uh, I had a diet of alcohol poisoning, keeping up with <laughs> keeping up with the references to the 2017 oh, draft, and could have had this guy and hearing Mahomes' name and all that kind of stuff. It was just mm-hmm. it was un, it was unreal. But yeah, if, it's like the uh, it's like the hey, did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick went to went to Harvard or whatever yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm sure we'll hear that a lot because um, yeah. there's there's rumors that uh, you know Fitzpatrick is a uh, free agent and oh. you know. The Bears are may need a quarterback next year. Who knows? Oh, but <laughs> yeah, so we'll be hearing the hell out of Harvard by the by the next time, by next <laughs> season, God forbid. But uh, you know, if if we're trying to keep up with um, with the Saints, then we're abandoning what we're good at, and that's exactly what we don't want to have uh, happen uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it, it has to be who's going to impose whose will on who uh, in mm-hmm. this one. That's going to. Uh, decide how this one gets uh, gets done. If it's a battle where each of us is playing our own game, you know, you guys are doing the quick strike three thing, but we're able to counteract that and even up the score with our own, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would love to watch a game like that, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to the scale is going to tip one way or the other, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because that that's the other part of it, right, is that if the Saints were to go out there and score, on those opening four possessions, let's say three times over those opening four possessions, like I was talking about, the defense still has to do their job on the other end to create some distance there, which would mean getting at least two stops, yeah. right? You know, if it's a 14 to 17 deficit, that's that's fine as long as you can get that sort of, you know, the, the two possessions back to back on the end of the first half and then the beginning of the second half. But, you know, a more comfortable deficit is, is that of, you know, a two score deficit of some sort, right? 14 points, 10 points, whatever that is. And for that, the Saints defense has to be able to play up to, up to, I would say up to its potential. I mean, we just watched them walk away with five interceptions in the last game, but three of those came against the back of quarterback PJ Walker. So we have to keep that in context. The four games before that, they had no interceptions after piling on nine interceptions in the four games before that. So it has been a really variant defense uh, so far throughout the season to where they've had these hot streaks. They've had these cold streaks. Now, can they did they just start a hot streak at the right time up against Mm -hmm. Carolina? That would be the hope for any Saints fan. But the reality is that you kind of have to wait and see because that's what the Saints would need in order for that quick offensive start to really be of any value. Yeah, let's let's talk for a second about the the first matchup, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a few weeks ago because it, there was um there was a key moment in the first half of that game just before halftime and you were talking a minute ago about how the Saints like to score just before the half and get the ball mm-hmm. back and kind of pile on there. There was a moment where um Jared Cook should have caught a touchdown pass. 
Uh, <laughs> it was slight. It was thrown a little bit behind him, but he, he probably should have been able to come down with it. And Sean Payton, the genius that he is, all he did was flip the formation and run the very <laughs> same play because he saw how poorly we defended it the first time around. So he came. Mm-hmm. He ran it back on the on with the with the cook on the opposite side. He was as wide open, if not more, than he was the first time. <laughs> this time, he and Breeze hook up. And in my opinion, even though a lot happened after that, that's where the Bears lost the game because we gave up that touchdown that we shouldn't have. We were playing this super soft coverage, letting the Saints kind of you know, mosey their way down the field there. And then in the crunch time in the last 20, 30 yards there before um, you know, the half, you know, we basically ignored Jared Cook, who aside from Alvin Kamara was really the only uh, threat that you had in the passing game left him wide open on two consecutive plays. We left him just as wide open as we did on the first play, and it was like stealing money for you guys on that first one. It was so damn easy. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, that's a huge part of, their, of that success. I mean, there was uh, – the, the count has gotten weird now, but, I mean, there was about eight straight games where the Saints had scored either a touchdown or a field goal in, the, um, in, in that final two minutes of the first half. They did it over the opening stretch of, I think, the first five games, and they had a field goal, then they went two more games, and then there was a game where they didn't, and then they had another streak of about four games. And so they've, they've done a really good job there, and that has been a huge part. And that all kind of halted once um, Taysom Hill became the starting quarterback for those four games because Taysom Hill doesn't have the ability to run the two-minute drill, not because not to say anything negative about him. It's just that's you know that, that part of the game plan, that part of the playbook, isn't something that he has mastered yet, and it's not something that the Saints feel comfortable running with him under center. So it was a big deal about getting Drew Brees back. You saw that immediately up against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in his first game back. So they love having that possession. That is a big momentum builder for them. They've gotten out of some ruts there uh, with that. We saw that against the uh, this uh, almost at San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, um, to where you know they were really having some trouble moving the ball early on in the game, and then all of a sudden they came to life in the two minute drill before the half, and then the second half was an entirely different story for that offense. And uh, you know, so that that's a really important possession for the Saints and for their rhythm. Now they've won games without you know, getting that touchdown or even so much as getting that possession this season, but they certainly would rather have that and to be able to build on that momentum in the second half. What's odd is that the Bears and and all of their offensive struggles have been very good at taking advantage of that last drive as Mm -hmm. well. Now, granted, they settle for field goals more often than not, but they had, I've heard a few announcers bring it up, like, you know, 10 out of their 14 games played, the Bears score on the last possession before halftime I was like that doesn't sound right but if they're saying it it has to be true you know if I mean it's one of those stats that you know the stat man standing behind the announcer you know taps him over the shoulder and like here read this card uh kind of thing (laughs) you know it's like hey the Bears on this possession right here look like they're in scoring range they've scored 10 out of 14 times uh on the two minute drill just before the half and you know it's (laughs) it's it's one of those things the Bears happen to be good at when they have the opportunity to do so so uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, I guess it's going to be a battle to see who, who gets the football last in the first half and then can, uh, try to squeeze out some last minute points. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some of that comes down to the coin toss, the saints, uh, of course, you know, usually a team that wins the coin toss and then, uh, defers to the second half. They usually end up just by rhythm of possession, 
getting the ball around that time. But, you know, some other things play factors in that turnovers, uh, other, you know, quick strike uh, possessions, long uh, drawn out possessions like the Bears like to do. So it's going to be a bit of a, a chess match leading up to that final moment within the first half to sort of see who's going to be able to take advantage and uh, and get that get that possession. And uh, for the Saints, I think one of the biggest things for them has been have been, you know, they, they haven't really focused on winning the uh time of possession as much here recently they certainly did against the kansas city chiefs but you know you're playing against patrick mahomes and you want to keep the ball out of his hand they tried to do that against aaron Rodgers, so there are certainly certain uh certain moments where that that could be but for the saints for the most part you know their biggest concern is to to put points on the board and that that's what they've usually been trying to to get at one other thing that frustrated me in that first game was it's really where our offensive line issues really really started um we had struggled the week before against the Rams, but that was kind of almost brushed off in a way because we didn't do anything right in any phase of the game. So it just felt like one of those, this was just flat out not our night kind of games. You know, we were mm-hmm. on the road, we're, we're playing this football team, and, you know, they've got superstars on, on, on you know, they got like, they got Ramsey, they got Aaron Donald, and it's the Leonard Floyd revenge game and all that kind of stuff, and, um, you know, they've got our number on that side. And then on defense, we couldn't get anything. It was really one of the first really bad games the defense had uh, mm-hmm. all season, which, of course, was murder for us because if the defense having a bad night, then we are screwed because our offense is not going to be able to bail them out, or at least they weren't mm-hmm. able to do it uh, at the time. And in that Saints game, I think we lost two offensive linemen uh, yeah. in that one, and that's where we started having to, like, glue an offensive line uh, together and it was um, it was a struggle to sit there and watch this musical chairs of uh, of offensive linemen coming in and out of the lineup uh, during that game. But it also provided me with one of my favorite podcast moments of all time, uh, describing um, oh, Rashad Coward, one of our guards, oh, uh-huh. and the fancy pirouette that this idiot did. Um, watching, uh, I believe it was uh, Davenport, uh, run inside uh, of him to sack uh, Nick Foles uh, on a particular play uh, because he did the one thing as an offensive lineman you're not supposed to do, especially when you play the interior, which is to turn your body. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're supposed to stay parallel to the line of scrimmage, therefore presenting a wall for your uh, opponent. He let the offensive lineman turn him completely, and then when he ran around, he basically looked like a ballerina on his, on his toes, spinning around trying to get to Davenport before he murders Nick Foles uh, in the backfield. So I had a lot of fun talking about that because as a former <laughs> offensive lineman myself, that drove right. me absolutely insane. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It drove me insane uh, <laughs> to watch that. So, yeah, that made me so crazy uh, to, to watch them do that. I mean, I know it's the NFL, and they're dealing with much different athletes than I dealt with in high school and small college ball. Uh, but, dude, you, you can't do that. You can't. And right. that was really where we started to suffer um, as far as, like, our offensive production went way down after – after that uh and everything and it was uh it was that saints game where that where it all kind of started to begin and somehow somehow we still fought our way to the end mm-hmm. forced overtime and tell me about th- how you were feeling during that overtime period because you saw two interceptions and a fumble stay with you guys 
because Roquan couldn't catch it, Eddie Jackson didn't catch it, and nobody got to the ball before Alvin Kamara did when he fumbled it. I mean, you had to mm-hmm. be going crazy with all the chances your guys were trying to give us there in that overtime period. Yeah, I think I remember tweeting something out about how like the Saints are just trying to lose this game. <laughs> like, yeah, that was the only that was the only uh, the only explanation. But I mean, I, you know, I think that that's something that was just you know the sometimes you get sometimes the ball bounces your way, right? I yeah. Mean, you know, the Saints, yeah, they outlive those. They outlive the the sort of like mental lapse moments. I mean, I know that there was the possession for Chicago that I believe started off with a, a false start. And then there was the the penalty on Javon Wims with the oh, punches and God, all that stuff. Back and, forth. and so like and, and not to like harp on that or anything, because like we've both I'm sure talked about that more than enough, that incident. But the the mental mistakes, the 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 composure things like that's such an important part of the game, although intangible and not tracked in a box score. Yeah, that can win and lose games. Those those, you know, hidden turnovers that either happen or don't happen the hidden yardage in terms of the penalties things like that like all of that can settle the game uh regardless of what the performance on the field looks like in terms of what's actually tracked by you know espn or whatever the bears talk underground is brought to you by our friends at bet online the wait is finally over and the nba is back football is in full swing with the playoffs and Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, that Javon Wims moment, I still, even after having a chance to see it a thousand times and talk to everybody under the sun about it, I still cannot wrap my head around what he was thinking or what Gardner Johnson could have said to him to make him do that in front of everyone like it wasn't happening. Okay, the way that he attacked that guy, yanking (laughs) off his mouthpiece and then flat out just full on hauling off and punching him in the head right there in front of everyone. I mean, it's not like he tried to do it surrounded by his teammates on the sidelines, get a little elbow in the throat or something (laughs) like that. You know, nobody's looking. Anybody can't see it. Maybe he'll get fined by the NFL if they catch it on film. No, standing flat out in the middle of the field, just him and, and Gardner Johnson tears off his mouthpiece, hauls off and hits him. And it's just like, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't get an, I don't just, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'll take my, I'll take the, uh, if the over under on punches thrown at CJ Gardner Johnson in this game is set at one and a half, uh, I will take the over, however, uh, <laughs> you know, but no, I mean, you know, it, it it's like, it, it's moments like that. Right. I mean, that that can settle a game and that can be you know deciding factors for what otherwise is a close game where that margin of error is so so small so thin um you know the saints during that time they had gone through several different one possession wins uh over the course of that uh, over the course of that stretch of the season they have since distanced themselves from that and they've begun to win a little bit more handily but they've also been playing you know teams that are using practice squad wide receivers at at quarterback yeah you know, I mean, they had a really great win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, that, you know, you can't really make an excuse for. That was just a great game plan oh, by sure. the Saints. Yeah. And like that one. So there are some 
there's some evidence to both sides, right? That, you know, some of the matchups have been favorable. Sometimes they have just played out of their minds. And so now the question is, is what it, 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 can either one of those things be true for the Saints going up against the Chicago Bears? And we've talked about, you know, the play styles and how if one team dictates the, the, the rhythm of the game, then all of a sudden it is an advantageous matchup and it can be that, but it's going to depend upon who dictates the game first. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's moments like that um, where you, you just, um, I mean, the frustration deepened afterwards because mm-hmm. nobody knew what that was all about. And when, right. when the evidence yeah. came out as to what it was, about it wasn't even something that was done to him it was something that 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 Johnson did to somebody else and you know the other thing that made it even worse is that Mike Furry our wide receiver coach went and told the media yeah we told these guys to don't don't engage don't get sucked in with 22 (laughs) don't get sucked in this is a guy that that made one of his own teammates crazy enough to punch him in the face yeah. In in practice during one training the, camp, one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL used his hand to punch CJ Gardner Johnson in the helmet. The thing that literally made him the highest just, paid wide, one of the highest paid wide receivers. In the NFL. I mean, it's it was wild. just. I mean, and what's even more wild, Ross, is that that dude is still on the team. Javon Wims or yeah, CJ Gardner. He, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> Garner Johnson, he's earning his money for sure. He's living yeah. rent free in a bunch of people's heads. That's part of his game. <laughs> several, and several God bless him. You know, God bless him. Yeah. I'm stunned that we still have Javon Wims on our team. Okay. I mean, I'm I, glad you touched that. I am too. I'm a little surprised by it. For I sure. could not believe it. I thought he would have been unemployed before the end of the game. You know, be like, <laughs> don't, don't even bother. You're not even yeah. allowed to shower. Just grab your stuff and get out. Right. You know, you're done. <laughs> The NFL is going to do whatever they're going to do with you. We're finished. We're we're absolutely finished. You're done. No, still on the team. Uh, you know, caught a pass on Sunday. It was just like wild. Still on the squad, man. I, I mean, for as as stupid as that was, how blatantly stupid it was, and knowing everything that we know afterwards about what it was about and how he was told not to engage with the dude. Not only did you engage with him, you basically stood right in the fifty yard line and. Duke, Duke that guy right out there and just I yeah it was just one of those moments you're like what the hell was that about you know <laughs> why did he do that right it killed the mo- any momentum that we thought we were trying to put together I and mean, it was just a disaster uh, uh, of a moment and the Bears ended up paying for that I mean who knows what happens with that drive if that doesn't happen but it goes from like third and five to now it's like third and 50 because of what he did and we you know we we never end up like recovering from that Mm -hmm. until we made our mad dash in the fourth quarter to force overtime yeah yeah absolutely i mean yeah so it's just (laughs) you know but i guess that's the difference you know between 13 and three and or 12 and four and eight and eight and, and and things like that it's just those those are the moments that that kind of separate teams like that. It isn't always mm-hmm. talent, you know. It isn't always talent. And I was just talking about this on my show yesterday because I don't always feel like the Packers are so overly talented than the Bears. That has been the case several times, but in most of the time I feel like we're just as good as Green Bay, but we're being outcoached and then Green Bay is doing the things, doing the extra things that the Bears can't seem to 
pull off. They excel at that, and that's why they're as good mm-hmm. as we are, and that's why we're always going to be on the bottom looking up uh, at them. It's it's moments like those that that decide who's going to be a twelve and four team and who's going to be eight and eight or seven and nine or five and eleven. Yeah, yeah, and especially when you look at the way that you know, of course, the NFL is remarkably fickle, right, on a game to game basis, and so you know, a, a three point deficit, a two point deficit, you know, these closer margins and things like that tend to be decided by like we mentioned, something that happens in the first quarter or whatever it might be. I mean, even the Saints lost to Philadelphia, which is probably which is easily their most disappointing loss of the season. You can boil that down to the uh, the field goal that was missed by Will Lutz in the first quarter. And then there was another field goal that was missed later on. Now, the second one was a 57 yarder. So hard to be mad at that. But, right. you know, there was that. And then they, you'll, you look at the Chiefs game, the the difference in that game was exceeded by the moment that Alex Anzalone jumped on a loose ball in the end zone, didn't recover it, and then it rolled out of bounds, and it went for a safety yes. instead of a touchdown yeah. at the five-point swing. You know, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where like every one of those moments matters, and you can look at even the Saints in terms of their wins. They, there have been those moments. The Bears, their losses, the Bears for their wins, there have been those moments. So that, you know, it, it, it's really just, and, you know, as you mentioned, like we've played the game, and you've played the game certainly as, as an offensive lineman, and you so you've you've seen it right you've seen every one of those moments to where like ah that was one of the moments that you know is worth six points on the scoreboard by the end of the game yeah and it's what's it's what can make a fan nuts you sit mm-hmm. there and and you watch these things and it's just like if well i mean this past sunday for instance i mean and actually talking about the the first matchup we had two opportunities to intercept drew Brees. both potentially could have been pick sixes going back the other way but neither one of our defenders could come down with the football. Fast forward to week 17, Aaron Rodgers, who never throws interceptions. I mean, this guy, right. 48 touchdowns and five interceptions all season long, served up three for us on Sunday, Ross. Three. Yeah, you know how I many he came down with? Not a one. Not, Not one a of them. single one. And that, that harkens back to the overtime possessions yeah. that we were talking about for the Saints with a couple of interceptions, the fumble that they couldn't dive on, right? And and that's that's exactly it. Like the you have to it's one thing to get opportunities, it's another thing to be opportunistic. Right. And that's the one thing that has been murdering the Bears all year long. There have been missed opportunities, balls fluttering into the air that fall innocently to the ground. Uh, things like that, fumbles that 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 you know that that are forced that somehow the opponent lands on them before we can get to them or we lose the fight underneath the pile or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had opportunities, but like you said, it was a great way to put it. We haven't been opportunistic. So mm-hmm. Breeze and I mean, I know Breeze has more of a penchant for interceptions than Rogers does, but mm-hmm. Breeze is one of the greatest quarterbacks we'll ever see. He doesn't make that mistake very often. He served it up twice for us in that overtime period, and we didn't make him pay for it. And then Rodgers, you know, literally is a guy that you can say never throws interception. He threw threw five or six all season versus 48 touchdowns. He threw three of them, three legit interceptions, and we dropped them all. Every single one threw our fingers into the ground. And, you know, who knows? It's a big what if when you play that game. And and you don't want to be the team that does that. You don't want right. to be those guys. You don't want to be the fan that says, well, if we'd have picked off those passes, we're talking about a different <laughs> football game. You don't want to be that guy. You right. want to be like you want to be the guy saying like, well, if you hadn't thrown those interceptions, maybe things would have been different. That's who you right. want to be. And, yeah, you know, it sucks being the, the, the one that's like, you know, 
you know, could have won that game against New Orleans, but we dropped two interceptions, let a fumble get away in the overtime period alone, and that's why they were able to, you know, run it down the field and put it through the uprights and win the football game. It was frustrating as hell to watch. Yeah, and I think that's that you know that's one of the things where I mean you know you look at I, I think that most people are going to look at this game look at New Orleans in this game as the better team I, I think sure. that inherently it's going to happen Absolutely, whether yeah. it be because they're looking at it because of schedule or or whatever it might be but the thing the the reason why I say that is is not to establish that but because if that is the truth the thing that allows a team to beat a team that is better than them is their opportunity to steal possessions right. and to maximize possessions, that aggressiveness, that maximizing the amount of time that you have the ball in your hand and therefore you are dictating the rhythm of the game. You are making them play the game that you want to play. And so if stealing possessions means, you know, uh, capitalizing on some special teams turnovers or capitalizing on, you know, not dropping those interceptions or, you know, going forward on fourth and short and therefore giving yourself a couple of extra possessions. Those are the things that can help to swing the game in favor of a team like the Bears who are coming in as underdogs in a matchup like this against New Orleans. It was part of what New Orleans wanted to do against Kansas City, but just wasn't able to do just quite enough, uh, which was essentially finding on finding ways to, um, you know, steal those possessions. They kept finding themselves in fourth and six or longer. They weren't winning on first and second down. They certainly weren't gathering any any help for themselves on third down in that game where they hardly converted any at all. And, and so they had these fourth and longs where you don't have the opportunity to say, all right, we're going to go for it. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. try to steal that additional possession and try to extend that. Those are the things that I expect to see the Bears do. I expect to see them be aggressive and want to extend their drives, steal possessions, all of that. And for the Saints, who struggled in doing this last time in the last matchup with them. Now, of course, they were down a couple of receivers, but we can't, you know, I, I have trouble because I give the Saints credit for what they've been able to do without some of their starters. So I don't want to hedge them based upon the fact that they didn't have starters in any game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the fact that they struggled to do that in that last game to where one of my keys for them was don't give Chicago the offense you don't want them to have. Right. They absolutely did that against Nick Foles, Darnell Mooney, uh, Allen Robinson had a great day. That was at a time to where Marshawn Lattimore was not really playing up to snuff. He's played much better here as of late. They'll need that. They'll need those outside corners to continue to play well. They'll need those safeties. They'll need Marcus Williams back and they need to limit and make sure that they don't create the opponent that they don't want to face by giving them the offense that they don't want to have to hang with. Well, I mean, and and the conversation that you and I had, you know, leading up to that game, and, and mm -hmm. I remember, uh, you know, the comedic uh, aspect of it was, I feel a lot better now that I've talked to you about this, right. Ross, because, <laughs> you know, I was coming in scared as hell about what might happen on Sunday, and you've made me feel like we actually have a shot in this thing. And one of the things that you told me was that, the Saints are vulnerable to deep shots, and I'll be damned if we didn't kill you guys on one big play. To, to I believe it was Darnell Mooney on that one big uh, deep ball, and I'll be like, "Yeah, there it is." Just like Ross said, uh, you know, it's it's amazing to me that we didn't try to do that more uh, in the game. But you know, we it's like this is why I have people from the other teams on the show because I would <laughs> right. not have I would would have would not have discovered that on my own. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have known that, you know, watching highlights and stuff like that or or doing what little research that I could in my spare time uh, to do that. This is why you have the other guy on the show so right, he can tell right. you why my team is going to give you a shot at this on Sunday or what we're good at, what we are more importantly, what we suck at and mm -hmm. where you guys might be able to take advantage here here and there. 
And, you know, that that played right into it. I mean, that's immediately what I was thinking when that play happened. Number one, Ross was <laughs> right. Number two, that's why I have guys like Ross on the show. So there they you can, go. you know, <laughs> so we can get that info, that stuff, uh, you know, that uh, we, we wouldn't be able to get uh, otherwise. So, I mean, you know, it was pretty amazing that, uh, you know, that that came to fruition the way it did, especially since deep threats and Chicago Bears, not exactly something that, <laughs> you, that you hear much in a, in a sentence. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we were able to pull that off when you said that you were vulnerable to it uh, was pretty was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and is that something that has still been an issue for you throughout the rest of the season? Be able be able to take those deep shots on you and things like that. They they've gotten a bit better. I mean, uh, particularly starting around the the three game road trip. So from about week twelve on, where they they sort of developed this defense that they really felt comfortable playing in. That that mixes a lot of you know they run a lot of bear or not a lot of bear, but they run bear in in the right situations. But then you know they're they're mixing in terms of their nickel dime and base packages. They don't use a lot of base still. You don't see that a lot. They used it. I think 12 times up against the uh, the Carolina Panthers this past week, and that was the most that they had run uh, this season, I believe. And so uh, if not, it certainly was the second most. And so, you know, they, they've done a good job at finding ways to actually focus on taking away the short and intermediate area and then daring teams to wait for deeper route concepts to develop, which is kind of interesting because the tendency that they set up for themselves early on in the season was that they were susceptible to that, and now they're actually challenging teams to try it. And the reason why they're doing that is because, you know, Trey Hendrickson's got 13 and a half sacks on the season. Uh, David Onyemata is playing really well up the interior. Like the defensive line has done a very good job getting pressure with just the four down linemen. Or if they have three down linemen, what they'll do is that they'll load up the defensive line or they'll load up the line of scrimmage, excuse me, with seven players. They'll have the three down linemen, two linebackers in the A gaps, each A gap, and then they'll put the two safeties, Malcolm Jenkins and CJ Gardner Johnson, out on the outside of those. Uh, on the outside of those ends and some combination of three of those will drop back in the coverage and four will rush rush the passer and that could be three defensive linemen and a linebacker or a safety or it could be two linebackers and we you know, or rather yeah two linebackers and two defensive linemen and then they'll drop another defensive lineman back into coverage in a shallow flat or something like that so they have done a really good job at generating pressure with those looks and trying to create some confusion on the offensive line in terms of who they're expecting to come pre-snap versus who does go uh, uh, post-snap. And that has allowed them to put pressure on the quarterback. And so they're wanting to dare teams to throw deep so that they can get that pressure on. The big thing is, can the pressure get home? If it doesn't get home and somebody's able to extend the play, then that's where you have, you know, a Jalen Hurts type game to where all of a sudden that quarterback's got, you know, over 100 rushing yards and, uh, you know, is doing pretty well in terms of passing efficiency and things like that. So it's a little bit of a uh, uh, it's not really a pick your poison, but it's certainly a boom or bust approach sure. to the defense. Uh, and so it's been interesting to watch because they will challenge teams to do it. And I think part of that has been how well the secondary has played as of late. So they've gotten better, but I would still venture to say that if somebody gets consistent enough shots on them, they'd still be susceptible to it. Does health have anything to do with it? Were you guys shorthanded in the secondary or were you just guys not playing well at the time? Um, I, early on in the season, everybody was healthy, but there was just a, a, a drop in terms of what that production was. I mean, sure. um, you know, Marshawn Lattimore was not playing up to, up to his potential, 
um, or up to his ability. I won't even say potential. He wasn't playing up to his ability in that game. Uh, he struggled quite a bit against Allen Robinson, for instance. Uh, you saw Malcolm Jenkins was used differently in that game. Didn't play as much up against the line of scrimmage. Played a little bit more in the second level. Uh, you know, a few a few yards removed. Now he plays much closer up to the line of scrimmage. He's much more physical. He'll be there as a blitzer. He'll be there as run support. But he'll also, you know, take a tight end from the line of scrimmage and then make sure that he gets, you know, contact and things like that. So, you know, they used him a little bit differently. They've gotten a lot more confident with the usage of C.J. Gardner-Johnson as a pass rusher. And so all of those things, I think, have really helped them really settle into the defense. And then adding Quan Alexander has a lasting effect. Even though Quan Alexander is out for the rest of the season with the Achilles tear he really helped to cultivate the way that linebacker that that nickel linebacker beside demario davis fits into the defense and now i think alex anzalone is a lot more comfortable in that situation as well well i mean this is going to be an interesting game uh on sunday because it can go a lot of different ways absolutely and 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 i think that's what makes it so intriguing um you know it's like ignore the records ignore the Ignore the eight and eight football team that's coming into town, or or whatever. I mean, God mm-hmm. forbid if the defense shows up to this thing, it could get really interesting uh, mm-hmm. out there. And and I'm hoping that this do or die moment that we're in, that we'll see a different team uh, for the Bears mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday, one that does realize there is no tomorrow. Um, you know, to play with some kind of uh, sense of urgency, because it was one. And I don't think that we had that conversation, but it was one I was having shortly after the Saints game, if not, was that, you know, the loss to you guys put us on a two-game losing streak. Now we're 5-3, and three, where we were 5-1. and one, And when we were 5-1, and one, we were the number one seed in the NFC, strangely enough. And mm-hmm. it just didn't seem like, you know, it was going into that Vikings game that all of a sudden Nagy's talking about, you know, we need to have some urgency here. And blah, blah, blah. like, dude, this is a conversation – you should have been having when you dropped the second one to the Saints, a game you should right. have won in overtime and things like that. That's where the sense of urgency should have been. Guys, we're 5-3. Five and three. We don't want this thing to get away from us. Not when you're 5-5 five and five staring down the barrel of, of, right. of a losing record. That's not when you right. want to kick it up a notch. You know, you want to talk about this before. So hopefully it's something that is being emphasized to the guys like, dude, Sunday is, you know, 7 o'clock, the season could be over. It's up to you whether or not it is. And, uh, you know, believe in yourselves. And, you know, we, we should have beat this team the first time around. We should go in angry about that. They shouldn't have that yeah. victory over us. And, you know, every, everything, you know, the mental game and the preparation is going to be, is going to be key for the, for the team that shows up on Sunday. And I'm interested to see who that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think for the Saints over on their side, there's there's got to be a lot of confidence going in here. There is certainly a charge to not have another playoff exit, certainly not an early one. Sure, and, sure. you know, they, they're going to want to come out firing in this one. The expectation is that Michael Thomas will come off of injured reserve and be available for this game. He'll, he should practice this week uh, and be able to, to, to be in there. And uh, the other expectation that will be interesting to watch is what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. Uh, Alvin Kamara, of course, missed last week's game, was put on the COVID uh, reserve list on Friday because of a positive test from Thursday, meaning that he's eligible to play because the game is scheduled for Sunday as opposed to Saturday, but he won't be able to practice. So they're going to try to do the install with him over Zoom <laughs> uh, over the week. Obviously, you know, the playbook kind of goes out of the out out of the window once the ball is actually in Alvin Kamara's hands. Like right. it no longer matters what the play was at that point as long as the ball gets to him. So uh, I would expect that to mean that you would see him 
maybe play fewer snaps than his average. His average is around 70%. You might see him a little bit more if he plays around 50 to 60%, only because the more designed plays in terms of the opening possessions at the first, you know, at the, the scripted plays might feature Latavius Murray instead. And then after that, it's just about utilizing you know, Alvin Kamara is an offensive weapon. So if they have both of those big pieces back, that obviously is a benefit for the Saints along with Emmanuel Sanders. And then keep an eye out for Taysom Hill, too, who suffered a concussion or was checked out for a concussion, I should say, against Carolina after taking a knee to the dome. Uh, so we'll see exactly what he looks like for this one. But I, I think that the Saints should have all of the firepower that they need to be able to get off to that quick start and try to shake some of the uh, the past playoff experiences that they've had over the past few years. Yeah, I think that's absolutely key uh, for you guys. If you can jump out uh, to an early lead, like I said, we're not built to play from behind. So mm-hmm. um, if, if you guys can take your first two possessions and score touchdowns, and God forbid, I mean, even if we score, if we're settling for field goals, we're going to lose the game, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you guys can, like, first two possessions, two touchdowns, on the board we can just start packing up for chicago and what you know whatever our vacation plans and and everything are supposed to be we can start you know calling up the travel agents to get that hooked up because it's going to be over uh sooner rather than later if if uh if that's what goes down so i mean that's where it's like i the bears are it's going to be one extreme or the other i don't think we're going to have a matchup in the middle it's it's going to be one of those games where either it's going to be like our overtime matchup we're gonna. It's gonna go down to the wire. It's gonna come down to a few key plays, and to determine who wins or loses the game. Or I think you guys are absolutely gonna run us out of town. It, I, yeah. I don't. I don't fathom any scenario where the Bears win this game, forty-eight to ten, or something like that. I just don't see that happening. Just mm-hmm. like not even. It's not even like the fact that I even said it sounds ridiculous to me. <laughs> it's just. It's either the Bears are gonna win a close football game, or I think you guys are gonna murder us. One of the two, yeah. and that's. That's how I feel like it's going to play out on Sunday. Well, I'll tell you what, if the blowout starts at any point for either one of us, for either one of us, at least we'll have the Nickelodeon slime to lead on for entertainment. Just switch over to Nickelodeon and just enjoy the spectacle. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny when they, you know, they had bug eyes come out of Mitch's head when, uh, you know, when they were pulling him off the ground after he got sacked for the fifth time in the first half or, or something like that. Or they, you know, they showed him getting slimed or, or they slime so and so for the holding penalty that he just had, or right. <laughs> or anything like that. It's like I, I just I, I'm really interested to see what that's going to look like, and maybe I will switch over to it if the game starts to get away, just so I'm intrigued by what's actually going to happen, as opposed to watching you uh, bury us under the Superdome turf. I will mention this mm-hmm. uh, one thing. Well, two things. Number one. The last time the Bears played a playoff game in the Superdome, do you know when that was? Last time they played in the Superdome. Oh, yeah, that was the unfortunate. That was the Zach Miller game, 2017. No, 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 no. Playoff game. Oh, a playoff game. Oh, yeah. I don't. Uh, it wouldn't have been against the Saints. Correct. It was against the Patriots when we won Super Bowl 20. That's right. There that was go. the last time. Go. And also, I, I did see somebody tweet earlier today that the Bears haven't won in the Superdome since 1991. So, well, I think times are changing. Yeah, I think yeah. we're due <laughs> for 30 years. I think is long enough to for us to finally break the streak. I know we haven't made many trips to the Superdome in that time, but the fact mm-hmm. that we're oh for whatever in that span, maybe it's time for that fortune to reverse itself. So, yeah, uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll end on that. Just leave that out there. <laughs> the last time the Bears won the playoff game was our most glorious victory in the history of the franchise. 
and it's been 30 years since we've managed to win a game there since then. So yeah. maybe we're due uh, for a win. I mean, we even let Kirk Cousins get his first Monday night win after being 0 for 8 in his career, So or 0 for 9, whatever it was. He's right. 1 for whatever right. now, so... Um, you know, maybe it's time that we break a streak instead of extending another one. So there you go. We'll there see. you go. <laughs> Ross, as usual, it's been a blast having you uh, on the show, man. I, I do look forward to that Nickelodeon feed, and <laughs> I'm so glad that it's our game that that's happening to. So that yeah. should be fun uh, to watch. Where can we keep up with you uh, in the meantime and in the off season? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be able to sit down and chop it up with you for a little bit and everything. So uh, I look forward to it. And I look forward to this week's game and I look forward to the next time uh, that we get to connect as well. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A, and uh, check out the Locked on Saints podcast every Monday through Friday, wherever it is that you get your podcast and uh, Locked on NFL as well, go. the national podcast over there. So if you don't want to just listen to all Saints, you can hear this right. majestic voice of this man <laughs> talk about the nfl in general and enjoy that so ross jackson right. as always thanks for joining us man it was a blast always a pleasure my friend thank you very much stay safe As always, want to thank my guest, Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints uh, for joining us. Uh, as we were saying there towards the end, you can also catch him on Locked On NFL if you just want to hear him go on and on about the Saints. I mean, you might want to listen this week because it's all Saints and Bears uh, talk, but, um, you know, you want to hear him talk about the NFL in general or uh, hear him not talk about the Saints, you can hear him on Locked On NFL. He's a great guy. I enjoy talking to him uh, very much. So, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sticking with my prediction. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, this I'm, I'm recording this part on Wednesday. I recorded the interview with Ross on Tuesday night. And, you know, I, I feel the same now as I did when I was talking to him as far as how I feel uh, the outcome of the football game itself is going to be. I really do think that if the Bears win, it'll be much more, it'll be much closer. Uh, it'll be, you know, um, kind of like the, the first game where it was, uh, it was very close, it was a one-score game, it could be anybody's at any moment uh, kind of thing. And, and I think that, obviously, I think the Saints can also win a close game, but I think, I honestly do think it's going to be one of those extremes. I don't think the Bears would lose a close one. I think that it would kind of be like, um, almost like a Green Bay game, where, where, where we keep it close for a while, but then the final score will, will be, you know, 14 points, 20 points, because the Saints just pull away from us in the end kind of thing. So that that's what I was talking about when I was saying that I, I think that they'll uh, blow our doors off. I think it'll kind of be like Green Bay. We're playing them tough, or this past Green Bay game, because the, the first one was not pretty at all. But this one where, you know, they uh, – they, uh, well, I mean, it's – like I said, it, it's all up to the defense, man, If the how this is all going to uh, – all going to shake out and, uh, you know – I know that we put him in a bad spot with the, the Cole Komet fumble that added another short field and an easy touchdown for Rodgers and company. The defense uh, did themselves in on that one play for 72 yards. That was just a bad call from from Pagano. But, you know, if, uh, if we have to settle for field goals and not touchdowns, this is a game that can uh, get away from us. And, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those where if, if, if New Orleans scores – we have to answer in kind. If they get a field goal, we at least got to get a field goal 
uh, on the following drive. If they score a touchdown, we have to score a touchdown. You know, if they're out in front, we have to keep pace, you know. And I think that our offense can do it. It's just a matter of will they, you know, because we've seen them do it. They went, you know, note for note with the Vikings uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we've seen them, you know, unprecedentedly for the first time in 35 years or whatever, uh, score 30 points in consecutive games and uh, and things like that. Um, first time since 65, the Bears scored four or 30 plus points in four straight games. And, you know, you can talk about the, the weak defenses and, you know, the level of talent in those teams and blah, 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 all you want. That's fine. But the truth of the matter is we scored those points um, and, and, and I, as I've emphasized before, those were all games where we couldn't thank special teams or defense for adding to the point total. And the offense is actually only scoring about 17 points and we're getting 30 thanks to Cordell Patterson, thanks to a pick six or a fumble return. No, it's all on the offense. It's, it's Mitch and company and Cairo Santos that are putting those points uh, on the board, getting no help from the defense or, uh, special teams. And I'm not saying that as a, uh, you know, a, a downer or a slight to the defense or special teams. It's more like, you know, this is, you know, the offense was doing it themselves. They, were, they weren't getting any help from anyone else. They were the ones putting 30 points on the board, not, you know, scoring 19 and getting an extra, you know, 14 from the defense and special teams, kind of like Lovey in the Devin Hester days. So the offense has been doing it themselves, and um, hopefully they – they can answer the call if they're needed to uh, on Sunday uh, against the Saints. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to it. I am excited. I am excited. You know, like I said, very pessimistic, very glass half empty. That was more about how we made it to the playoffs. But we're in now. And like everyone's been saying, it's everyone's records are 0-0. Everybody's got, you know, everybody's in the tournament. So you got a shot uh, to, to run the table just as good as everybody else. You know, it's... Uh, I know that people want to talk about spreads and odds, and there's. I think I saw ESPN said the Saints have a 79% chance to win the game. No, they don't. They have a 50% chance to win the game. Same as the Bears. Either they're going to win or the Bears are going to win. So that's all there is to it. And, um, you know, I, I know that this is a team, despite its record, that's capable of winning a playoff game. I know it's a team capable of beating the Saints because we should have 10 weeks ago uh, when we played them in Soldier Field. And I definitely think this is a team that's capable of beating Green Bay. I do. I know that the, that the odds of that are not great, but I think we can do it. I think if we get um, another bite at the apple next weekend in the divisional round, I, I expect the same thing. Either they'll murder us um, or we will beat them, plain and simple. You know, we'll, we'll win like a, like a Thanksgiving night kind of game where we finally slow them down and win like 17 to 13 and embarrass them and in uh, on national television in La- I mean, wouldn't that just be so great that of all the teams to stop green bay and you know uh make waste of their number 1 seed uh, wouldn't it just be so great for it to be us wouldn't it be wouldn't it be so great for it to be us and the, the only thing that would even be close is if it was washington you know the seven and the team with a losing record that won a crappy division, and that's the only reason they're in the playoffs. Uh, they're the ones that go to <laughs> go to Green Bay and beat the that beat the Packers. Wouldn't that be great? But um, anyway, 
I, I am looking forward to the game. Uh, I will be uh, watching it on CBS and recording the Nickelodeon feed just to see what that looks like because curiosity is going to get the better of me. It's, uh, but I'm going <laughs> to watch it on the adult channel and you know watch it with grown-ups on CBS and then check out the Nickelodeon feed just to see what kind of graphics and you know zany things they're going to put into that game. Uh, it's a unique situation that we're in uh, as Bear fans. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview where we'll get into keys to the game and uh, dig a little deeper into the injury report and, and what's uh, what the word around Hallis Hall is on the, le- on the, the status of, of Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith and uh, anybody else that's, uh, you know, banged up. I know Cole Komet got shook up a little bit with a, I think maybe he had a stinger uh, in the game. Let's see how David Montgomery's knee is doing, uh, how close to 100% he'll be for the game, uh, and so on and so forth, plus whatever uh, news and notes uh, we can dig up heading into this game. So come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview. Get you ready for Sunday in this all-important wild card round for our beloved. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. 